are listening to the Next Generation Podcast, and this is our review of A Quiet Place. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for A Quiet Place, and the story is as follows. A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. The film is starring Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Militia Simmons, and Noah Jupe. It is written and directed by John Krasinski and co-written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Joining for this review, I have Josh Williams. What's going on everybody? I think we should do this review very quietly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, tell everyone what you thought of the movie. So, I think that uh, A Quiet Place is a very excellent horror film. We seem to be in a kind of renaissance of horror films over the past, like, I don't know, decade, maybe. Well, hold on a second, because I've heard that actually a couple of times. Why do do you think that is? Uh, It's just like... The past few years, they've been so much better than they've been since, like, the 80s, the 70s and 80s, you know? We're in a time where we're kind of getting quality horror films of that time period. So I don't I don't really know why it is. Maybe it's just new storytellers coming up, stepping up to the plate and wanting to tell stories again and these new stories like A Quiet Place. Um, I couldn't really tell you. Could it be because um, horror films are zoning in a lot more on story and character as opposed to shock effect, gore, uh, campy, you know, horror elements that were just designed to just be disturbing and scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're probably taking kind of some of the, like, the Logan and Dark Knight elements, like with superhero films. They're kind of trying to, on top of being, they're trying to put the horror element second and, like, make it a drama film or a family film first. Right, and I think with this film in particular, like A Quiet Place, um, I think you see that a lot more where it's a very relatable story. It's a story about um, two parents who have to ultimately come to a very scary conclusion that they may not be able to protect their children. Yeah. Like, that. that is truly horrifying, and I'm sure it's every parent's worst nightmare. I'm not a parent, so... Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Yeah, I can't like actually fully imagine what that must feel like, but it's something that I can understand. 
um, because we know that that is a very universal feeling that, you know, we, we as the human race all share to one degree or another. Um, if not for your children, you know, maybe you can look at it from a point of view of just your family in general. Um, yeah. Like I, I have two younger siblings um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd want to protect them as much as I possibly could, you know, in, in a post-apocalyptic scenario where we're being hunted down by these <laughs> petrifying <laughs> creatures. That, uh, I mean, I know we're kind of jumping all, a little bit all over the place here, but man, oh man, I, I don't know about you, Josh, but like before I saw this movie, I had no idea what the creatures were going to look like at all. I was honestly kind of convinced before going in that the we might not ever see the creatures oh you thought they were gonna pull like a village with us basically yeah like i thought the whole movie we wouldn't see anything yeah 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 i I was thinking that too for a little while and you know in the beginning we see brief glimpses but then when we actually finally see what these creatures are i was like that is the shit that nightmares are made of wow (laughs) (laughs) i was like that is a really 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 well done design you know for a very terrifying creature um but you started off saying, and before I rudely interjected, I apologize. You started off saying that this is an excellent horror film, um, and it's being seen right now during a time of renaissance for the horror genre as a whole. Um, if you could continue to do expand on those thoughts, I promise I will not interrupt. <laughs> yeah, I just I think horror films are kind of starting to come into a little bit more over the past you know several years people have been going out to see horror films more and more not only because we can get scared from them but also because like we said they have that more human element to them like they did in some past you know horror films that we renown as the greatest horror films of all time so but i think the film just is it's really excellent it nails the i think some of the things that are crucial to making a horror film which is a the sound obviously the film's called a quiet place it resolves or revolves around sound and silence so it nails that but then the cinematography is really pretty to look at a lot of the lighting situations are gorgeous um some of the shots are really interesting and some of the framing choices that they decide to use with dollies behind a staircase or down into some piping is really cool and just, um, I would say that maybe there's a couple things that leave me a little sour, uh, just in terms of like some of the performances are a little underwhelming at times, but then it immediately gets carried by another actor in the film. So there's really not a lot of room for error in the movie. Who, who do you think is best in show here? Uh, personally, I think it's Malicious Simmons and then immediately coming up in the runner up is Emily Blunt. Oh, see, I thought Emily Blunt walked away with this movie. She's really good. She could do anything. Yeah. Honestly. There there's nothing that woman cannot do, as far as I'm concerned. She she no. is just extraordinary. Yeah. Her husband, no. <laughs> I mean he's, it's Jim from the office. Like <laughs> uh, I, I okay. I you know, it's interesting because John Krasinski, the actor, John Krasinski, the writer, John Krasinski, the director. I have a lot of praise for John Krasinski, the director. Me too. Not as much praise for the writer or the actor in this film. It's weird because he's been in other films where he he is a very, and I think he's a very good actor, but there's just a couple things he does in this film that I'm not really a fan of that a couple times like when it came on screen i almost laughed like i was like oh that wasn't that was that could have you could have done another take there buddy <laughs> yeah. his his scream yeah that's particularly <laughs> there's one point when he screams <laughs> and it was like 
man, this is supposed to be like really emotional and really like affecting, and mm. I'm laughing. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> right before that was like amazing. He's like he's signing to Militia Simmons, and that part is. Oh awesome. yeah, no, like all that's great. It, it's a mixed bag for sure. Um, just like how the, the, this movie for me, you know, it's interesting because when I got out of the film, my immediate gut reaction was, oh, man, that was freaking awesome. My, my audience loved it. Yeah. They were cheering and going nuts. They were really, really into the jump scares and the emotion of the story itself. But I, I, the more I thought about this movie, the more I'm just like, there, there are plot holes. There are character motivations that just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very cheesy and corny elements to it. Like, like for example, uh, he tells Militia Simmons, his daughter, you can't go in the basement, right? And mm-hmm. he has, I guess, this whole command center where he's trying to crack, you know, how to defeat the monsters and he's got all the security cameras and all the monitors and such. Mm-hmm. And he's got like this really <laughs> like, elementary <laughs> whiteboard of like what kills them. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like is sound the enemy. And like, I don't know. It's like really, really pedestrian to the point where. Yeah. Um, a, it, it didn't make sense to me why she couldn't go into that basement. I never got that either. I was like... No. <laughs> and B, it just... Like, there are little things like that in the movie where I'm just like, okay, this is John Krasinski's third film, and this is definitely his most ambitious, and there are certain elements that work really, really well. Yeah. Um, chief among them is the sound design of the film mm-hmm. itself. The level to which the uh, sound effects have um, an, an impact, great or small, every single piece of sound you hear in this movie matters. Yeah. But then there's like this uh, other weird thing going on too with the sound where, okay, so you're trying to tell me the creatures will hear, <laughs> they like they don't hear running, I guess. But they could hear oh, yeah. you if you actually talk in a normal volume as opposed to a whisper. Um, it, it seemed to me like the rules were a little, you know, sketchy in terms of <laughs> what what can these creatures actually hear? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I did like the I did. I was surprised that they actually uh, used this concept. I didn't think it, it actually in turn made the movie a little bit more interesting to me just because I knew when it first comes up, you would see it again. Um when he take when Krasinski takes his son to the river and they're making noise and the son gets really scared like oh no you have to be quiet the monsters are going to hear you and he tells him if there's a if there's a sound nearby that's louder you can make us like a softer sound so that they won't hear you and I was like oh that's kind of cool and then we see that paid off later with the fireworks which I was like that's that's a really good idea <laughs> yeah no there are some smart elements to the movie definitely there are some things that are introduced early on that come back later into the uh, story and kind of you know pull everything together and make it come you know together full circle so like i said i would say there's more good than bad in this but if you definitely think about it hard enough there's a lot of bad in this yeah i saw it i saw it twice and so the second time around i definitely started noticing like some of the the stuff i didn't really care for like the giant elementary school whiteboard and some of the yeah. like, newspapers that are hanging up and I was just like uh, you know we get it we <laughs> I don't need to be hit over the head with the information man <laughs> but then there's other things too like 
you're trying to tell me that these monsters were able to wipe out our military and we were because because the thing I, okay I, I mean i know i'm kind of maybe getting a little into spoilers here but the, the monsters are shown that it is shown that the monsters can be killed yeah so you're trying to tell me that with all the firepower that America has, we could not take these guys out? Like, I, I was baffled by that. Um, now, they, they wisely did not make the movie um, a lone survivor type like story where this is the only surviving family. There are other people that are surviving within this world. And yeah. that is demonstrated when Krasinski goes to the top of his tower and he lights the fire and, every, and he sees other fires in the distance. So I guess that's showing us that, okay, that's like their way of, I guess, checking in to see who's still alive and who's not, that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean, like, I, I immediately had trouble buying into the world, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, just because of that one little thing. But, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll suspend my disbelief, all right? I'll accept the fact that, you know, half of humanity or whatever has been wiped out by these stronger, faster, deadly creatures and that we weren't able to just shoot rockets and bullets at them and destroy them, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Okay, but then you're going to have the biggest issue of all in this movie. Like, this this really, Josh, I mean, like, this this pushed me. I mean, this <laughs> this so was ready. a lot. I can, I can handle Malicia Simmons. Um, I can handle her character being... And I'm going to say this word, and I hate using this word, but I'm going to say it. Dumb. Absolutely <laughs> dumb. Selfish, self-centered, like, doesn't doesn't think big picture, is only thinking about her emotions and how upset she is at her father and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you are dumb with the decisions that you are making right now. You are going to get yourself or someone else killed. You are dumb. Uh, that uh, Okay. Brushing that aside. <laughs> An even bigger problem, and I know you know where I'm going with this. Why the fuck would you choose to have a baby under these conditions? <laughs> the baby cries. Babies keep parents up all night, and you're living in a world where if you make a sound, these monsters will kill you. I, I, I don't give a shit if you've thought everything through. I don't give a shit if they have this whole thing where they're like, oh, we're going to just put the baby inside of a box, and when it starts crying, we'll just shut the lid on it. No! That like that is so corny and cheesy and stupid. <laughs> like, I will I say... <laughs> I was really I was really confused when they first show the oxygen tank because when they showed it and they show Emily Blunt like setting it up I was like why are they doing that what is that for <laughs> and then when it pays off later I was like oh okay <laughs> that makes sense I, 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 I mean like, I'm looking at it I'm like they're gonna just try to knock this baby out you know what I mean well, they're, they're gonna yeah. just make the baby go to sleep and then it'll stop crying <laughs> I was like this is so stupid <laughs> one thing that uh it totally just like a nitpick that I noticed watching the movie is um when uh Krasinski is carrying Emily Blunt and she's holding the baby he's carrying them to like their underground bunker or whatever when he when the baby starts crying he like walks a little faster and then when he steps onto to go underground he holds Emily Blunt and the baby in one hand and like pulls the mattress over them. And I was like, Jesus, man, you have to be so strong to do that. Well, have you seen John Krasinski? That man looks like he hits the gym. He's huge. <laughs> yeah. Couple There's a reason week. why Emily Blunt married him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the movie itself, though, okay, so like I've literally now at this point, I've gotten my criticisms out of the way. 
good things about the movie, okay? The first 40 minutes of this movie, there really is not a uh, line of normally uh, spoken dialogue in the movie. There there were long, long stretches Mm -hmm. throughout the movie where there is uh, nothing but sound and there is no dialogue and it's all visual storytelling. And I think this is where I was saying before, Krasinski, the director, shines the most because I think his command of tension and how he builds up certain dramatic uh, moments is very carefully constructed, very precise, and created for a a very engaging viewing experience, I would say. Easily. I think... um... It's just one thing I, what you're saying about one thing that intrigued me about or that I enjoyed is just when they know they can't speak. But if you're paying, if you like listen closely enough, you can hear them kind of very, very quietly whispering what they're signing also. And so that was an interesting factor to me. But I think, yeah, you're definitely correct. The tension almost becomes like physical, mm-hmm. like Krasinski creates some anxiety and some tension that almost like stands on your shoulders that you're just sitting there like biting your you know your coats or your fingernails and you're just waiting for something to happen because you know that nobody can be silent forever you know no no i'd be dead in this world immediately (laughs) i would not survive it's insane Uh, but they just he's so good at taking these moments of just like the smallest sounds and making them feel like the biggest thing on the planet. So when kids are playing, you know, they're playing a board game and they knock over a lamp, you know, that feels huge, even though in reality, knocking over a a lantern probably isn't that loud, but man, since it's been silent for probably a straight 10, 15 minutes, it sounds like a gunshot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I I would say that the uh, sound work in this movie is uh, worthy of awards consideration, if the Academy is able to remember it come year's end, uh, sound mixing especially, I would I say. I, I definitely think that this deserves a spot in there somewhere. Um, one aspect of the movie that I'm not hearing uh, get talked about enough, I feel like, is uh, Marco Beltrami's score, too, which is probably my favorite score of the year um, at this mm-hmm. point, I would say. I mean, I was really, really taken aback by... Um, you know, the tone that the music set for the film and also it really helped to lend to the emotion of the movie so much so that I was able to really care about this, this family, the tragedy that befalls them. And I started to really get the sense while watching the film that man, like each character is going to just get picked off one at a time probably. And we're going to end up like in a, you know, soul survivor situation um, at some point, it's just going to be the baby. Just the baby. The baby's <laughs> going to be the only survivor. <laughs> they never find the baby. No, but and, and the film actually doesn't go there. But the music had a way of leading me to believe that, you know, based on how emotional it was and the tone that Krasinski was going for with it, that we were we were in for something that was really trying to gut us. Not necessarily scare us, but gut us. Yeah, definitely. I think it's meant to be this. I... I agree. I haven't seen enough talk about the score, and the score is really fantastic. But just there hasn't been enough talk about how just about everything, including the score, leads to the bigger emotional picture. And I kind of had the same feeling you did. I was ready when, as the score was playing, you know, a little bit in the beginning, and kind of as they're setting everything up, that we were going to get kind of this 
you know, little situation where everybody gets scattered and then everybody mm-hmm. just gets picked off one by one because they make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you can feel the stakes throughout because the stakes feel extraordinarily real. Yeah. Um, for as much as um, I, I give the film a little bit of criticism here and there, I do think Krasinski sets up the world well enough that you really, really do buy into what is going on, every decision that is made, every movement, every word, every every sound. Anything that has to do with sound, you're just hanging on the edge of every, not word, but in some cases, yes, but every sound. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat throughout the entire film watching this. I mean, the tension was definitely a real thing. And I thought the film had a very perfect length for that, too. I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. I thought the pacing of the movie was perfect. I never once felt it drag. So I, I was definitely very much in it um, the entire time, despite some reservations that I had. And that's very interesting, too, because I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking with a friend of mine, and he said to me, you know, it, it, it's kind of amazing that this film has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, considering how much there is actually wrong with the movie itself. <laughs> but most people, despite the flaws that they point out still come out positive about it in the end anyway. And no, I yeah. think that is what's contributing towards such a high score on Rotten Tomatoes is that, yeah, there are some things to nitpick. Yeah. The, the fucking baby God. Um, <laughs> but it's not enough for me to give it a negative review. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. It's all very like all of the, most of the criticisms that I have at least are just more like nitpicking things. Like I'm just kind of pointing out the smallest of details, but Everything that I like about the movie is about the grander picture of the film. So I left positive both times. Yeah, I mean, like this to me is not, in my opinion, one of the best films of the year. But it's um, definitely something that has helped to at least tide me over, you know, during this no, uh, slow season post Oscar right now. And um, was entertaining and it was a good time. Um, let's move over to final thoughts. Great out of 10 Oscar potential. Josh, anything you want to t- talk about that we didn't get a chance to touch upon? Any other final thoughts? Um, the f- final thought that I didn't get to mention that I, I really enjoy is um, I didn't notice it, or I noticed it, but uh, in the beginning of the film, when the shot is on, whenever a shot is on Militia Simmons, uh, there is no room tone audio. Oh, yeah, I love that. De- it's just dead air. But then when it cuts back to somebody else, there's room tone. And so at first, I thought that was like a mistake. I thought, I was like, did they just forget to put room tone over Militia Simmons' like shot? And then when I realized that her character, because her character is deaf in the movie, I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant!" <laughs> like, so and, I and for really the record, you that know use. that you know that the actress herself is deaf, right? Yeah, so that's why I'm a massive fan of that decision. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and she also played. Um, uh, a deaf character last year as well in Wonderstruck, and she yeah. was a, a breakout performer in that. Um, She's going places. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I let me tell you. You know, I I hope that there is a way to continue to keep using her um, because I feel that with both Wonderstruck and now A Quiet Place, uh, she is she is a great talent. No, I she mean, is definitely. She can convey so much uh, through her face. Uh, she she she's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely is. But I mean, final thought that that was the last final thought I want to say. But the the use of of building the silence to one big noise or multiple big sounds 
is just a brilliant mix use of it to me and a brilliant approach at filmmaking to make a horror film. Um, I think Militia Simmons and Emily Blunt are brilliant in the film. They both convey a lot of emotion simply through their face and their body language. Um, Krasinski's direction is very, very strong. He definitely knows what he's doing. And apparently in an interview, he said that he doesn't like horror movies. Like they scare him. He doesn't like to watch them. But when everybody had the idea to make the movie, he couldn't, you know, he wanted to do it because of what he thought he could do. And I think he just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And I mean, the decision too for him to work with his actual wife, uh, Emily Blunt, Mm -hmm. you know, helps to also, I think for him as both an actor, writer and director, reinforce that theme that we were talking about, about protecting your own family. You know, this married couple playing a married couple, um, they're able to then feel those performances through a lot more. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so a couple of our final thoughts I do want to t- touch upon here is did you feel at all by the time we got to like the final couple of minutes of the movie that you kind of got this feeling of like, oh, come on, you know, like this, like, <laughs> stop tormenting um, these people. Jesus, you know? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, I, I was literally like, when is this going to end? You know, and yeah. I, I started to think that we were heading towards um, a really, really tragic ending. Um, because the film itself opens up with a, a brilliant yeah. uh, opening sequence. I mean, that was a really, really phenomenal opening. I mean, when the title of the movie came up, you know, say in A Quiet Place, I was like, whoa, yeah. okay. I'm like, that That set the stage very, very well. <laughs> That's how you get people in. <laughs> and then, of course, it also gives us, uh, you know, the the beginning of the connection between Militia Simmons and John Krasinski's characters um, throughout the movie, all because of a fatal mistake that she makes in mm-hmm. the opening. Um, I, I thought it was all really, really well done. And I really thought that that emotion helped to carry the film through. Um, so much so that I am willing to overlook some of the criticisms that I have thrown at it. Um, because in the end, like I said, I think Krasinski did not make a horror film because, like you said, he doesn't actually like horror films. He wanted to tell uh, a, a different kind of story, um, one that was universal and something that we could all relate to. And I actually appreciate that so much more. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, man, what else do I have to say? I mean, do I have any other thoughts other than that? I feel like I've touched upon pretty much everything I wanted to say. So with that said, then Josh, uh, what grade would you give a quiet place? Originally, the first thing I had walked out thinking it was an eight out of 10. That's what I thought too at first. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I've kind of sat on it a little more, I think I'm going to go seven. Yep. I am. I am exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought about six when I started thinking about the issues a little bit more. But then I was like, you know what? You you walked out of the film and you were so elated and you had that visceral instant reaction of, my God, I love that, you know? Yeah. So overall, it's not like you can't go from an eight down to like a five or something like that. That's just (laughs) ridiculous, you know? And I think that there's a lot of outside influence. You know, when you start reading articles online about – um, why people don't like the movie or why the film has problems. You start to say to yourself, yeah. are you letting other people's opinions influence your own? And the answer is no. You know what? This is These are criticisms that I had, but in the end, I'd recommend people to go see this movie. I, I, I definitely de- would as well. I, I definitely have. I've already told people. I'm like, yo, you got to go see this movie. It's freaking yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Seven out of ten. Uh, do you think that the film can sustain its momentum all the way till the Oscars to contend in either one of the sound categories. 
I would like to think so. That just being optimistic, I would like to think that it ends up getting both uh, mixing and editing. But if it doesn't, then I won't. I won't be upset just because you know the early release and it being a horror film. You know, it's got the everything against it. And as we, you know, as we've seen recently, of course, uh, genre bias just overcome everything. But um, it would be awesome, I think, if it made it all the way through. I like to think that in come next year we will see it at least get sound mixing. I think it'll hold strong. Oh, okay. I see. You now I don't think so because I actually went back and I looked at the Academy's history of nominating horror films and sound. Mm-hmm. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not good. I mean, like Poltergeist, The Exorcist. Like that's it. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it is not good. Um, so with that said, I, I don't think it can. I okay. mean. It kind of boggled my mind when Get Out didn't even get sound editing last year a little bit. But yeah, um, here we are, you know, and in this day and age, you know, anything can happen. I mean, Get Out did go on to get a Best Picture nomination. I'm not saying A Quiet Place is going to do that. But, you know, it's it, it, it is interesting sometimes where there are certain movies that are like clear cut far and away the best at a certain area. Yeah. Like, if you ask me, Mother had the best sound of any movie last year, by far. Oh, definitely. Like, that sound mixing uh, was absolutely incredible. Never going to get an Oscar nomination. No. Never going to happen. <laughs> um, I feel like A Quiet Place could be that kind of a movie where I feel that the sound work is awards worthy. It probably will show up in my personal lineup by the end of the year, but mm-hmm. I don't expect people to have uh, such good memories, uh, you know, come the end of the year. So especially when there's other contenders that are going to be released and will, you know, vie for that position. So, yeah. Josh, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Williams 09. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can follow us on SoundCloud, (laughs) iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. We will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.